This is an AMI podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. From AMI Central. Now circling in the neutral zone. Here's the pitch on the way. 36 yards for the win. This. Here comes a big chance. The shot is. Is this the tagger? The neutral zone. This is as good as it gets. Now, here's your host, two-time Paralympian, Rock Richardson. What's going on? It's time for another edition of the Neutral Zone. I am indeed your host, Rock Richardson. I'm alongside Cam Jenkins and Claire Buchanan. And sometimes we tell you, well, we tell you all the time that we're excited about the show. But today we're really excited about the show. We're joined by Patrick and Nico Yama, who Nico recently competed at the 2023 DeFi National Competition, and they will be along to tell us about their experience in DeFi and his international competition coming up later this summer. Plus, we're going to be talking about the interview and also telling you a little bit about the sanctions that have been placed on the Niagara Ice Dogs of the Ontario Hockey League and our perspective on that as well getting you up to speed on the NBA playoffs as well. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Again, I'm alongside Claire Buchanan and Cam Jenkins. Let's get into our headlines. Neutral Zone Headlines. Headlines. Swimming Canada announced the 2023 World Paris Swimming Championships team is heading to Manchester this summer. Of the 21 athletes who are named to the team, include world record holder Aurelie Rivard, who will lead the squad with racing starting July 31st to August 6th. Wheelchair Rugby Nationals concluded this past weekend, and we send out a huge congratulations to Team Ontario, who not only took home gold in Division One but also Division Two. I was there personally, and it was my first experience seeing wheelchair rugby live in person, and I gotta tell you, it is one of the most fast-paced, physical, and loudest games I've ever seen. Carolina Wisnowicki and Josh Vanderwees have been named co-chef de mission for uh, Chile 2023 Am Games and the Paris 2024 Paralympic Games. I'm really excited about this one. I got to compete alongside Josh Watson as a bocce athlete for a number of years. Sorry, I got to compete alongside Josh Vanderbees uh, for a number of years, and uh, it was really great to see him grow in his career. He won a bronze medal at the Paralympic Games, and I'm sure him and Carolina will do a wonderful job. We are hoping to have one of them, if not both of them, on down the line. Congratulations to both of you. Daryl Sutter has once again been relieved of his duties with the Calgary Flames. Flames president Don Maloney cited the fact that Sutter is a good coach and is a hard coach, but there is a shelf life for those types of coaches in today's NHL. And we believe that his shelf life is over. Those are your headlines for this week. Uh, recently, there was a incident in a baseball game where a fan fell from the stands during a Phillies-Red Sox game. Let's hear more from this clip. 
A spectator fell over a protective railing and into the Red Sox bullpen in the first inning of Boston's game against Philadelphia at Citizens Bank Park Friday. The fan was taken to the trauma center at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital, according to medical personnel on the scene. The Phillies said in a statement the injury occurred when the fan reached over the railing in an attempt to retrieve a ball thrown his way. He tumbled one level from an open concourse into the Boston bullpen in right center field. The spectator was strapped to a backboard and removed on a stretcher. I'm Geffen Coolball. So, uh, before I give my thoughts, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. Cameron, start with you. Yeah, that's a tragedy, and there's so many people that lean over uh, those decks to try to get a baseball, and I don't know, like, what they're going to have to do. Um, maybe it's a matter of putting nettings up there, and nobody is allowed to be able to grab a baseball anymore um, because the protection of the fans is should be at the utmost um when thinking about uh you know when they play the game so i, I can't like off the top of my head i can't think of another uh thing that they could do um other than putting some netting up there or um some or uh, plexiglass um that you can still see through and put that up there um because there's probably going to be a large <laughs> lawsuit uh, unless it's one of those things that are on the ticket that if you do something like that, that they're not responsible. And by buying the ticket, um, therefore, you can't sue them. But uh, from my understanding, uh, everybody uh, and anybody sues in the States. So uh, that's to be determined. And, um, you know, what's to come next? Be interesting to see. Well, when you go to a baseball game, I think that's one of the big things that you go into as a fan kind of you you see it happen you you bring your glove the kids bring their gloves they want to catch that ball right that's part of the excitement of the game and it's it's unfortunate what happened and if you look at the video and and multiple stadiums um the the wall that he came that that he went over was pretty pretty tall in itself so i think that uh not to take away from the excitement of possibly catching a ball um, I think just adding a disclaimer of kind of what you put yourself at risk and kind of the risk of of being at a sporting event such as um, baseball games and and reaching for those balls, because, I mean, the amount of fans that are in the stands and the amount of games that happen throughout the year, I think this is a very low percentage risk that that actually takes takes place. And um, at the end of the day, I hopefully the guy is okay he he definitely hit his head pretty hard so hopefully uh there's not too much of a recovery there um but uh yeah i think it's i think it's something that the fans take as a personal risk of of you're stretching out to to catch that ball and sometimes it just doesn't go the way that you you hope so there was a, a number of years ago there was a situation where a gentleman reached over at a baseball park and i the Philadelphia Phillies uh, baseball park is standing out to me as being the same ballpark, but I'm not 100% sure. But there was a gentleman who was a firefighter who reached over and he was next to his son. He was trying to uh, retrieve a baseball uh, for him and he went over the edge and fell and unfortunately succumbed to his injuries because of this. And it was from that point onward, and I've seen this kind of thing happen a handful of times where it's... You know, people injure themselves. And I guess for me, my thought is, and I want sort of quick thoughts from both of you on this, is 
what is the fascination over a baseball? Like, why, why are we putting ourselves in such risk to go and get a baseball? I can sort of see the, you know, the thought process of, okay, I'm getting a baseball for my kid. Fine, I guess. But why in the end are we, are we, you know, putting ourselves in this position for a baseball that we can go to any store and get one? I do understand the whole argument of, yeah, but so-and-so hate it. Yeah, but is it really worth the risk of your life? Like, what's the fascination on this one, Claire? I don't get it. Yeah, it's the thrill of the actual catch, I believe. And yeah, you can say, well, this ball was hit by so-and-so and at this game. But again, you don't really have proof. <laughs> moving forward either unless it's signed and really authenticated like it's just kind of your word against everyone else's so yeah I, I, it's just people co going to sports and really like feeding their inner child and wanting to catch that ball and hoping for the best i guess and that's just it i remember when i went to the uh, baseball game at the old exhibition stadium and I was with my uh, papa on my mom's side so um, my grandpa Pallet, and I caught a ball by Tony Fernandez and I've kept that ball ever since and it's in my dresser drawer right now maybe I'll get it uh, during the commercial break um, but it was just a fascination of oh man I got a ball that that was hit by Tony Fernandez and Tony Fernandez is like one of the best Blue Jays players to ever play the game or at least shortstop so that was the fascination to me um but i was not in any danger um because i was in the bleacher seats or wherever i was behind the plate so um i was in no danger whatsoever of you know f falling off uh the second or the third or the fifth um you know um deck so yeah, so I see what the fascination is, but I don't think I would be the person that leaned over so far that I would, you know, f fall off uh, the deck. But you never know, because in the moment, <laughs> you just never know. Yeah, I, I, I've never been put in a position where I've thought to myself... You know, if this ball from such and such a player comes to me, am I putting myself at risk? I mean, I went to a couple of Blue Jay games a number of seasons ago when I had a flex pack and my brother-in-law and I would go to 12, 13 games and he caught a, um, a batting practice home run and neither of us could tell you uh, to this day who hit the, the, the ball. But I just, <laughs> I don't think I would ever put myself in that situation but i mean if i if it was joe carter's you know home run when they won the world series oh. and that happened maybe i would but i'd like to believe that i wouldn't put myself in that level of danger so i just wanted to bring that to everybody's thoughts and again i want to make, make sure that we put out here that our thoughts and prayers are with the individual who you know hurt themselves due to this in no way am i you know um, trivializing that i just i wonder about the risk that we take in sporting events and whether at times we go too far at this time we'd like to tell you how to get a hold of us on twitter here's how you can do it and welcome back to the neutral zone ami broadcast booth and we are set to get this ball game underway the first pitch brought to you by brock richardson's twitter account at neutral zone br first pitch strike and hey gang why not strike up a twitter chat with claire buchanan for the neutral zone find her at neutral zone cb and there's a swing and a chopper out to second base right at claire she picks up the ball throws it over to first base for a routine out 
And fans, there is nothing routine about connecting with Cam and Josh from the Neutral Zone. At Neutral Zone, Cam J and at J Watson 200. Now that's a winning combination. And this Oregon interlude is brought to you by AMI-audio on Twitter. Get in touch with the Neutral Zone. Type in at AMI-audio. We are so pleased to have Nico and Patrick Yema join the program. Nico recently competed at the DEFI, which is the largest national event in Canada. And they join us today from Oshawa, Ontario, to talk about Nico's success in his early career. Guys, welcome to the program. Nice to have you along. Great to be here. Yeah, great to be here. So, Nico, let's start with you. Uh, before the event started, can you maybe talk about what the feeling was like going to the largest national event? Going to Defeat is always great. It's a great place to be. Great people. Great competitors. It's always it's always a blast. I always get the joy out of walking into that arena and kind of you oh, know yeah. you're in the arena with all the courts there. It's just it's just um. It's an amazing feeling even just walking on, you hear the music and you got to get introduced in. So that's always, that always puts a smile on our face. Patrick, as Nico's father, but also his sports assistant, what were your expectations heading into this event? Um, honestly, uh, we, we um, changed a lot of the equipment leading into this, a lot of the equipment leading into this. Um, we actually went into this event really kind of uh, focusing on taking notes on that so that we can prepare for Portugal, which we'll be, I guess, talking about later on. But um, it, <laughs> let's just say we exceeded all expectations on this one. We were really just kind of focusing on the equipment. And then, uh, you know, he just kept on uh, giving the players a hard time and uh, winning the game. So it was, it was great. Goes to show what a little equipment changes can do. Right on. Um, so, Nico, can you maybe talk a little bit about how you were able to manage uh, your nerves going into an event like this one? Uh, yeah, so we changed up a lot of equipment, so we were a little nervous, but uh, we, we handled it by singing a song to ourselves. Um, we can't sing it out loud, but just... Seeing it our heads distract us from the stress. Yeah, we learned in practice that, you know, if we just sang a happy song in our heads, even as we were getting stressed, either one of us kind of getting stressed, it, it just kind of took our mind off the game just a little bit or took our minds off the stress and we just kind of calmed down. I don't know if you want to tell them what song you were actually singing, but... Yeah. I was just about to ask yeah. that question because <laughs> I need to be able to learn to manage my stress, so I might need that song. Uh, oh, bloody, oh, bloody. Oh, that's a good one by the Beatles, I think. Yeah, we we uh, we looked up the happiest, uh, and I'm not making any opinions for anybody, but we looked up the happiest songs ever ever made, and that was like yeah. one of the top two. So we're like, you know what? Let's sing it. And I dare anybody to listen to that song and not sing it as soon as it comes on. Oh, um, nice. But it was one of it's one of those things that we, uh, you know, I could see him kind of humming it to himself when we're in a high stress in time. He's just kind of like, mm-hmm. -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing the same, honestly. All right. Yeah, see? There it goes. <laughs> well, you guys have great taste in music. I gotta say that. And it's 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 rare to find athletes, let alone uh a pair that uh kind of get on this wavelength of just like relaxing and finding a way to like be in your happy place. And uh did that kind of put you in the mindset of Nico? 
going into this competition, were you feeling kind of right off the bat of like, hey, we got this, like we can we can win this thing? Or was it kind of during the competition where you felt like, I think we have this, like, I think we can walk away winning this thing? Uh, so there's a lot of great play players. There was, um, there was a lot of great games. They were all really close. Um, well, it was especially cool when we were in the semifinals and in the call room we saw Alex and Mary Lou and Ryan, who are all really good players. What? It really all came down to the last shot. Yeah, it was kind of it was amazing to be in that semifinal room, and you're looking around, going, "These are the top players in Canada." And like, you know, at some point, you kind of look at yourself and go, "What are we doing here?" Just like, I don't know. But I think I think going in with the idea that you know we didn't have the equipment figured out, we didn't we didn't have super high expectations. We came in with the goal of just like trying to figure out what we were going to do for Portugal. I think that actually relaxed relaxed uh, relaxed us a lot to the point where we're just like. Hey, you know what? You know, we came in fourth. Good. Oh, wait a second. We're in the gold medal. Ah, uh, we came in second. Good. And then it was like, uh, okay, we won. <laughs> um, but you know, coming in with that, with that very, you know, um, the real, I don't even say relaxed because there were obviously nerves uh, going into each of the games, but coming in with that kind of goal, uh, definitely helped where we were just kind of like, okay, you know what? We exceeded everything we wanted. Um, this is just a great tournament. So Patrick, you're uh, Nico's sports assistant, and in the BC3 category, uh, I believe you are required to have your back facing the court at all times, and you must purely follow Nico's directions. So as the event rose on or grew on, and you got closer to the gold medal game, how hard was it to not have any idea what's going on behind you on the court for most of the time? Um, you probably can't see it because the camera's not that great, but a lot of gray hairs, like especially in the beard, <laughs> just a lot of stress. I, uh, yeah, I've, I, uh, it, it's been, um, <laughs> I mean, this isn't the only tournament, he's, uh, national tournament he's been in or tournament he's been in. And I mean, yeah, I've never watched one of his games live because um, I can't watch the games, but it's just, you know, recently, I'd say probably in the last six months, eight months, there's, we've kind of grown into that relation, that player assistant relationship where I trust him, like on his decisions and whatnot. Right. So when I see him doing something, it's like, okay, I know you, you know what you're doing. Um, plus I try to play the game backwards. So I try to play the game as if, you know, I'm trying to imagine where the balls are based on the way he's playing and based on the way the other player's playing. So you see me, you know, I sometimes count how many balls have gone out and, you know, the way he positions his ball. I'm like, oh, this is what's happening. And that's why a lot of the times when you see me finally turn around and look at the court, you know, I might have a shocked face going, oh, that's the way it actually looks. But uh, it's it's stressful. It's um, especially that gold medal game. I mean, at the end, uh he delayed telling me that he actually won. I heard the crowd, but I wasn't sure if it was our crowd or if it was the other crowd. And I'm sitting there going, you know, I can't talk to him. I can't even gesture to him. But I'm looking, I'm going, you going to tell me you won yet? Like, I to be fair, it was a stressful game. It was a stressful game. Patrick, this one's for you. For anyone who is listening to this and thinking that they could be a BC3 attendant, can you kind of run us through a little bit how about the importance of having a good rapport between 
the athlete and the sport assistant? Personally, I think it's critical. I think having that rapport and having that kind of relationship where, um, you know, obviously I can't talk to uh, Nico, but it doesn't mean that I can't read his face or I, you know, can't see his, his eyes or how he reacts to a shot or even how his body's reacting um, during a, during competition. So knowing that kind of uh, having that relationship, he can kind of calm me down and I can kind of, I can calm him down without even saying a word saying, Hey, I'm here for you. You know, I gotcha. He does the same thing to me. Sometimes when we're scrambling, cause there's time, you know, he'll just look at me and go like, dad, we got like two and a half minutes, man. We're good. Like he'll just, he'll just be like, I know you're stressed out. We're fine. Just keep going. Um, so I think just having that rapport is key and I, uh, having the, you know, the years, obviously <laughs> being my son, um, but learning the equipment, having, being able to, you know, develop the equipment with him. Now I know the equipment better than he does and I'm able to, you know, move with it. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty important. We're joined by Nico and Patrick Yama, who are athlete and sport assistant in the sport of Bacha, and we're talking about Nico's recent success at the Defi. I'm joined by Claire Buchanan and Cam Jenkins, and of course you're listening and watching to the Neutral Zone. So Nico, can you walk us through the gold medal game from your perspective, and what worked so well for you during that game? Well, we already went, went into the game with like we are already exceeded any expectations we had had. So, um, yeah, with the new equipment and stuff, the idea was just to put pressure on the opponent. We played it, um, like simpler because we didn't know the, equi the equipment all that well. But, I mean, it worked out. Yeah, that was pretty much the game plan. It was just uh, put pressure on as early as we possibly can. And to Nico's point, you know, we kind of threw out the the uh, strategy book, and we we're kind of like, you know what, we don't know we don't know distances, so we'll just play the simple game, and we'll play the one shot we do know really well, and it just it worked out. We won't have just to be clear, we won't have the same weaknesses in Portugal. We're we're all set. We're all we're all good. We're building up that equipment, but uh, yeah, this one was uh, tough. Patrick, your wife were, was what seems like at a loss for words from her social media post after after the gold medal game. And can you kind of just as a parent, uh, give us a little insight on just the level of pride that you have uh, for your son at just competing at this level and, and winning at such a young age? Listen, we're proud of him of just competing at this level, let alone um, what he's been able to accomplish both provincially and, and now nationally. I mean, it's it was amazing, and that competition was amazing. I mean, we all kind of walked in here thinking, again, kind of going, all right, you know, we'll set this up for Portugal. So when we were in that last day, um, I think we were all kind of walking around in the days going, you know, is this actually really happening? Um, and then after winning that gold, we were just over the moon. But I think the the... The biggest takeaway after we kind of calmed down on the gold medal was um, looking back and how proud we are of him maturing as an athlete. I mean, there were situations in that tournament where if it was two years ago, he would have stopped playing. Uh, loud noises because he had the startle reflex. Um, long day. That last day was three games. Super long day. 
where two years ago he wouldn't have been able to handle it. And this year he just was like, all right, it's game time. I'm playing the next hour. I'm going to focus and just, you know, rock this out. Um, and growing as a, as a, uh, athlete and as a young adult, like that was just, well, it's just amazing. It was, it was, you know, that's really that, you know, that's really where we're proud of it. But obviously, yeah, we were kind of over the moon when, uh, <laughs> when, uh, he shot that last shot. It was crazy. Uh, it's our understanding that you're going to be representing Canada at a youth invitational event. Can you maybe talk a little bit about that event? Yeah, we are very lucky to be traveling with two other athletes to uh, Portugal. It's a big honor. And it's yeah, it's held in Portugal in July. It's the uh, World Bocha Youth Championship. Um, I think, it, and I could be mistaken about this, so can't, don't hold me to it, but I think it's like 19 and under, 20 and under. So he's still playing um, individuals, you know, five years older than him, uh, potentially more experienced. But, I mean, to get that phone call and that email to be, and the email to basically say, hey, guys, you know, you're going to be wearing the Canadian flag was just like, <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of... Uh, celebration going on in the house yeah um, but then to find out who we were going with was just was just icing on the cake it was fantastic that's awesome so where where is the bar set going into this competition coming off of a gold medal what are the expectations going into portugal are you going in there saying we're gonna whip butt or like how how high is this bar set for you guys yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna say we're gonna try to make the country proud. That's basically it. We're gonna we're gonna do what we can, and uh, like there's there's just you know it's the world it's the world youth. So we're going against uh, world class uh, players. It doesn't matter if they're young. As you can see, I mean, he won the he won the tournament. We're going against world class players. So it's our first time going international. It's our first time traveling. For years, uh, I think yeah. it might. I think it might have been three. So I mean, we've got the the travel, the jet lag, the whatever to contend with. So, um, you know, we're just we're just happy to be uh, be going. We'll see how we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, I've got to be real honest. I, when I, even though I've been removed for a little bit of time. Uh, there was no doubt that uh, Nico, you were going to be a uh, really successful player uh, provincially, provincially to start with, and then we moving on to uh, the you know the national and international scene. And I have to tell you, when I was your age, I was doing nothing but losing twenty four nothing to people. So I mean, the fact that you have matured at, at, at such a young age is incredible. So. I want to wish you on behalf of all of us best of luck in Portugal and thanks so much for doing this as I know dealing with the media is not your favorite thing in the world to do but uh, we we appreciate it very much and we hope to be uh you know putting you in one of our beginning headlines in a couple of weeks or in a couple of months I should say with how you how you did in Portugal so best of luck to you both and thank you for joining us thank you thank you thank you so much that was Nico and Patrick Gemma, who were talking to us about their experience at the DeFi and the international competition that they will be attending in Portugal in July. If you like this interview or anything else we do on the program, here's how you can get a hold of us by voicemail. If you want to leave a message for the Neutral Zone, call now. 1-866-509-4545. And don't forget to give us permission to use your message on the air. Let's 
leave a voicemail. There are times in doing this job that, you know, certain things resonate with you differently than others. And for those that may or may not have been with us from the beginning, and if you haven't been with us from the beginning, welcome. But if, you, if you've been with us from the beginning, you would know that we have had Nico and his father on on the audio version of our program and he was actually part of one of the ami audio promos nico was uh way back in the day because he just spoke so well and uh i i have to remind myself this kid is only 14 years old and just the way that he handles himself the way that he comes across it's just incredible and claire i'll start with you on this one because you said it on our little mini break that this is one of your favorite interviews, hands down. Can you sort of elaborate as to why? His passion alone uh, for not only being an athlete, but just soaking it all in. He, he's, going, he's just come back from one of the biggest uh, tournaments and uh, obviously did really well. And he's already had, he already has this kind of mental uh step by step or mental fallbacks that he has kind of in his back pocket to to kind of put him back in the right mindset and get him loose and get him in a in a space where he's he's reminding himself that he's there because he loves to play the game and it's it's such a good reminder um for other athletes and just people in general to uh show gratefulness and and just remind yourself that you're you're doing this because you started a sport because you love to play the game and uh i i'm excited that we get to kind of be alongside his journey and he's got a long long future ahead of him in this game and yeah just so much pride there's so much pride in him and it's it takes you back to the times when you put that canada flag and that maple leaf on your chest for the first time as well and it's yeah, he's soaking it in and, and his dad is too and his mom. And it's just yeah, it's so fun to see and hear. He speaks so well. Yeah, he is. Uh, both of them, the uh, Patrick and Nico, uh, they are just so humble. And you can see the excitement in both of their faces when they're talking about being at the tournament and how they did. And just their attitude of the next tournament. It's like, okay, well, let's see where it goes. And just like when they're stressed on um, how they talked about how they have that song, Obladi Oblada, that they sing in their head to calm themselves down. Like they have all the tips and tricks to be able to um, just be at even keel, which I think is very important for an athlete and a sports assistant to be at. And they have that down pat. And to have it at such a young age, that's only going to help both of them in the future. So it's it's they're just a phenomenal pair. And I wish them the best of luck in everything they do moving forward. Let me be very honest with both of you. And I said it, you know, sort of tongue in cheek. I mean, when I was Nico's age and playing that very same sport, there was no just chill attitude. There was no you know, just pure uh, love for the game necessarily. It was, there was an end goal and and I wanted to get where I wanted to get to and I ended up getting there. But 
I think that's sort of the one thing that we kind of look at as athletes and we kind of say, well, we forget that it's supposed to be for fun. And I think when you have the fun coupled with the competitive nature of sport, it just means so much. And I mean, I love the fact that, you know, they said in, in Portugal coming in July that, you know, who knows what's going to be and we're competing against the best in the world. Let me be clear that I think, and I would definitely put my money on on Nico, um, not knowing anybody else in the world, of course, uh, of that age bracket. But I would hazard to guess that Nico finish, finishes in the top 10 at this event. This guy and his father have, you know, such a a laid-back passion uh, f- for this, this game that I think that's going to help them in the long run and i would not be surprised that when i uh come back from a vacation in the summer uh that we're gonna have nico on and i wouldn't be surprised if there's a top 10 finish if not a medal around his neck so just unbelievable interview that we just had and wishing them nothing but the best and i and you know i want to support every young athlete because opportunities like this don't come around easily and you know, it's hard to crack rosters. I mean, this guy, this guy got the Connor McDavid treatment of, you know, exceptional status. He'll be competing at the national championship before he's even eligible by age. Why? Because the guy just won the largest tournament in Canada. Like, no kidding. And so to have that exceptional status is unbelievable. And the joy that his parents have is just unreal. So best of luck to you, buddy. And, uh, as I said, I know he doesn't like doing those interviews, but we are going to have him on again in July because I want to find out how this, this event in uh, Portugal turns out. So thank you to you both and uh, congratulations and all the best in your success uh, moving forward. And from a happy topic to one that I'm sure is going to make us all just roll our eyes once again, uh, let me just tell you that the Ontario Hockey League has announced uh, that two players on the Niagara Ice Dogs, including Captain Landon Cato, is uh, going to be um, uh, suspended because of violations with uh, respect to different things that are not supposed to be. Um, And this is just codes of conduct. being uh, mistreating, be bullying, this kind of thing. And I, I just don't know that this helps uh, Hockey Canada's situation because the Ontario Hockey League kind of sort of falls under all that. So your reaction to this story, um, Claire, start with you. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's all connected. We have, there's many different hockey leagues internationally and nationally. and especially within Canada as well. And it's, they're all connected and they have to have in that mindset of, I don't know how to put this, but the way that players are treating not only other players, but the way that they're going through life and as an athlete, thinking that they will represent their sport and hockey Canada one day um in these ways is is kind of mind-blowing because I when I came on to any national sport whether it was hockey or basketball 
right away you are told and shown by people who kind of lead by example that no matter if you have that hockey jersey on or not, you are representing that club, that organization, and your teammates. And to hear that there's bullying going on within locker rooms to other teammates still to this day after everything that has gone on with Hockey Canada and the change that people are trying to make is is disgusting at the end of the day. Um, you would think by now that the conversations that both coaches and parents are having, because we have to we have to know that these conversations have to have and have to ha happen at home as well. It's it's you're building your character and, and how you are viewed and how you go through life. Uh, I don't understand why there isn't a level of respect in this sport. And it continues to show up time and time again. And I don't think that the consequences that these players and the coach and the organization uh, were handed were enough. Um, I really believe that the coach and the players should have been reprimanded equally. Um, I don't think that there should have been any suspensions. I really think that it should have been uh, you're out. This is not how we as a sport uh, are going to represent moving forward. And it has to be not only at Hockey Canada, but it has to trickle down all the way down to like recreational hockey as well. Like this is not how hockey players or athletes or human beings should be treating each other. Not at all. And it's disgusting that it's, uh, like you said, it's disgusting that it keeps happening. And, like, does it start with the parents? At some point in time, a child, which some of these players are, because I guess some of them are like 17, 18, 16 years old, and still not uh, an adult. But... <laughs> Like, I, I just don't think that it just lands on the parents. I think that it lands on the kids themselves and just the whole idea of, you know, what hockey is and what it has been about and the hazing and the you're the rookie. So we're going to do this or we're going to do that to you. And like all of that needs to get out of the system. And I don't know if you have to have some sort of uh, like create a position that um you know uh helps to protect the players from the bullying um to have somebody you know walking around or kind of like a health and safety i don't know what you would call the position but just somebody that is there that they can go to to be able to talk to human resources um and without getting you know, the fear of getting off the team or being, you know, bullied, bullied anymore. And Claire, I 100% agree with you. Um, if the uh, kids or if the players are going to get suspended and kicked out of the league, which they have from my understanding, um, the general manager, if they knew what was going on and they let it happen, well, they should be kicked out of the league as well. 
Why are they only getting suspended for two years and a hockey player is getting um, basically a lifetime ban or getting kicked out of the league? And I understand it to one point, it's because the players are the ones that are actually doing it. So that's why they're getting kicked out of the league. Um, but if the general manager knew what was going on, um, he should be damn well out of the league as well, because that's not a good person. No, it's, uh, it's, it's up to the general manager and the coach to, to set that culture and, and have those conversations. And yes, we're now seeing changes with true sport being involved and, and having kind of those outlets of being able to like reach out and, and have a third party involved. And that's where these third party investigations are coming from is, is they're, they're putting in place these avenues that players can reach out and say, Hey, this is, this is going on or coaches can reach out and, uh, I know over the last year um, with True Sport coming out that um, us as athletes have had plenty of conversations of uh, what you're allowed to speak up if you aren't feeling safe in your environment. And if if I got to say as a mom, as a mom of a boy that might one day say, hey, I want to play hockey. Uh, I can tell you for a fact that I'm going to have those conversations with him right away of even before he starts sports. Like that's just a, a foundational conversation that you should be having with your kids and of, of how to treat people with respect. And, and if you are getting bullied or if you're seeing someone getting bullied, that you're getting allowed bullied, to yeah. speak up and that. No, Claire, sorry to um, cut you off there, but with true sport, is that an organization that. Um, as an example, any hockey player from the OHL or CHL could go to if they don't feel that they can go to their own team. Yeah, so it's kind of it. it it's a hotline, and so okay. in any sport, yeah. and it's and it's in every locker room when when an event is going on, it's now required to be posted in the locker room as an avenue for players, coaches, staff, anybody who feels like that they're in an unsafe situation or that they're seeing someone being in an unsafe situation so that it kind of takes the pressure off a little bit of, of going to a coach that you might not feel comfortable going to yet, or yeah. you're not, you're new to the team. So you don't have that relationship with your teammates yet. It gives you that kind of unbiased option of, of being able to speak up and feel safe speaking up. Good. This is, what I'm about to say is in no way excusing the actions of what we've seen in Hockey Canada and what we've seen in other sports. It's just literally a, hey, I'm putting this on the table to see what my two colleagues have to say. But there is something out there that we've seen quite often that, you know, a brain does not fully develop until you're in your late 20s. Um, and these folks are 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. Does that play a factor? And if it does, then how do we manage it? Because obviously we're not going to say, um, um, we're not going to say, well, you can't play until your, your brain is developed, but it's, that's just the way it is. So, Claire, your reaction to the idea of um, brains developed and how that is like or not? 
I am currently rehabbing from a concussion myself right now. And I, I'm a big advocate of putting, not putting kids in contact sport at a certain age. And I, I'm not a, like a neuroscience uh, pro and I, I don't know exactly when or what age that it would be safe to start putting uh, athletes into full contact. Uh, But I, I don't believe it's at a child uh, as, as a child. Uh, Yeah. Their brain is still developing and to put that at risk, I think is way too big of a risk in my mind. Um, this might be my mom bias coming out, but, um, yeah, I, there's, there's options out there. You, there's non-tackle football and there's, there's leagues with hockey that aren't full contact yet. I mean, the women's game, you see it, you don't need full contact to have an exciting sport to watch and to be successful in a sport. So I think that uh, I don't see it changing anytime soon because as we see hockey culture is pretty stuck in their ways and we are, yes, we're pulling ourselves out of the quicksand right now and, and out of the mud, but it's, it's going to take a lot of effort and it's going to take time and it's going to take the right people in the right positions to be able to like make effective change moving forward. Claire, it's my understanding you have uh, breaking news. Where are we going with this breaking news? I do. I, I mean, so our very own from the women's para hockey team, Raphael Tusignon, has just been announced as the very first women woman out of Canada to make the mixed para hockey team for Canada. So moving forward, she will be. Competing against alongside the men uh, going for the Pool A World Championship title. Wow. Uh, interview down the line. Uh, putting. Yeah, putting, that putting I that mean, there right now, I'm I'm shaking right now just as a teammate, the, the level of pride that I have right now. That's it's incredible. Congrats, Raf. Uh, yes, congratulations. And we will have you on the program uh, very, very <laughs> soon. Um, I'm I'm not lying because stuff like that is really cool. Uh, Cameron, uh, final thoughts on what we've been talking about here with with what's been going on. And then I just want to briefly touch on the NBA uh, before we wrap the show. Yeah, I, I think a person, um, they should be responsible for their own actions. And uh, it doesn't matter what age they're at, um, especially when you're talking about bullying or hurting somebody else. Um, I think it's an excuse to say that the brain is still developing and I really think that, uh, you know, they should be punished and the two players have, uh, because they're out of the league. So yeah, you wanted a uh, quick and, uh, <laughs> to the point, that's it. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, to end the show, I just want to, if you have been, you know, plugged into, uh the nhl playoffs that's cool i understand that i have been also plugged into that and if there's one nba series that you should check out it's the denver nuggets and phoenix suns i mean this team this series has just been unbelievable and at the time of recording it the series is tied uh 2-2 and i gotta be honest with you and say that nikolai Jokic and Devin Booker for their respective teams have just been going mono and mono. And I mean, Nikolai Jokic went on a 13-0 run 
by himself in a losing effort. Let me be very clear. In a losing effort, the guy went on a 13-0 run. Uh, this has just been an amazing series. And if there's one series that you haven't checked out, this is one you should. Uh, thoughts, Cameron, on this series? Yeah, uh, this series, I think that's probably uh, one of the best ones. I was kind of enjoying the uh, Lakers uh, series as well, because everyone kind of had them uh, not winning or not doing too well. But uh, yeah, I would say that this is probably one of the best series um, that's, you know, with all the star players that are there, um, the defense and how well they're doing in the game as well. I just think it's a humdinger of a series. Claire? I, I I was a big Phoenix Suns fan uh, when Steve Nash was there, uh, and I am now a Phoenix Suns fan yet again. And I wow. I I know that it's going to be a hard road for them, but they're putting up exciting games. And yeah, I mean, to have a guy put up almost over fifty points, sorry, and and you still can beat that team, that that just shows. Uh, kind of the powerhouse that the Suns are right now. And I just hope my boy CP3, Chris Paul, gets his ring finally, because that guy deserves a ring before he goes into the Hall of Fame. I agree. Well, and what about Kevin Durant as well? Like, he's probably or was considered one of the best players on planet Earth, Kevin Durant. Um, but isn't there like a little bit of a villain thing there because of how he got out of uh, New York and kind of went there? And I don't know, for someone like that, that kind of weans his way onto the road. I don't know if I want Phoenix Suns to win, to be quite honest. You know, I, I absolutely agree that the way the way that Kevin Durant and uh, uh, a couple other players left the Brooklyn Nets um, was not uh, shady. <laughs> yeah <laughs> a little bit but uh i i enjoyed this trade as soon as the trade happened for phoenix my my mind went to uh chris paul and and not kevin durant and uh i'm just glad that he has the people around him to 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 fight for a ring because like like i said i i, I don't want to see chris paul go into the hall of fame without a ring on his finger <laughs> yeah I, i'll say this too i i don't know if when Kevin Durant had the um, the the trade and 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 went uh, went elsewhere, I will say this: I, I I'm really certain that Kevin Durant realized to himself, "Listen, I have to be better. I have to be a better teammate, a better human being, a better all around in order to 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 play basketball." And and I'm seeing that. I'm not a big Kevin Durant you know supporter but i have seen a difference in the way that he plays it's no longer oh i just don't feel like playing it's a it's a okay i'm on a team now that expects something from me and and i think that's what we're seeing uh from that um and and again i i just really want kevin durant to succeed i know i'm could be on an island here but yeah i just i want kevin durant certainly not on my to island succeed and the other person that I really want uh, to succeed was um, Landry Shamit, who is a name that nobody really knows um, on the uh, on on the Denver Nuggets, and it's one of those names where it's like these these are people that w uh, that want somebody other than the big names to win uh, or to do well, and so if you haven't got to know Landry Shamit. 
you should because he is that piece uh for uh phoenix suns that just did something real good he's that secondary piece where you just kind of think okay this is this is a good player and he needs to be a good player to to help them get through and i think he proved that in the recent game i might have said he's a denver nugget player but in fact he does play for the phoenix suns uh so yeah it's just an overall good series final thoughts from both of you in about uh one minute or so uh claire start with you on the phoenix suns uh series or just nba playoffs whichever yeah i i i don't have any want of seeing lebron james go any further than this series uh i would like to see the games be closer you know what i mean like this past game this weekend was yet another it was two blowouts in a row and one team had a blowout and then it flipped and i just i guess i want to see a little more consistency from both teams to have tighter games cuz i i stopped watching after the first half and and switched to a different completely different game and caught the hockey game and i just yeah i'm I'm fixed on this era the phoenix suns uh series not only because i want to see them go far but the lakers series is just it seems boring to me because there's they're not close games yeah the lakers warriors like steph curry He's got a lot of rings. Of course, LeBron's got some rings. Uh, he's been to the last, I don't know, 50 million finals in a row or whatever that number is. LeBron's yeah, so. been to eight, and Steph Curry's only been to six, I think, and they both have four rings. So who's the better <sighs> ball player here? Well, that's going to do it for this show because <laughs> that's going to take a long time to have that conversation. So I'm looking forward to that Lakers-Warriors series, and I hope uh, LeBron James does it. So there you go. Well, as Cameron points out, that is the end of our show. We're not going to get into who's better right now and who's not, but enjoy the playoffs. I intentionally kept uh nhl off the docket today we'll discuss that at length next week hopefully we have one canadian team that survives but i digress and that's where we'll leave it i would like to thank claire buchanan cam jenkins i'd also like to thank technical producer mark aflalo podcast coordinator is ryan delahanty tune in next week because you just never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone have a great week be safe be well